electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Senator Elizabeth Warren on what she'd call a fair federal tax system. The 99% in America pay about 7.2% of their total wealth in taxes every year. But that top one-tenth of 1%, they're paying about 3.2%. And calling out Wall Street for not paying its share. How do you think the tax code ended up like it did? It ended up like it did because companies like Amazon sent armies of lawyers and lobbyists to craft every possible loophole that they would be able to use to pay nothing in taxes. That interview plus big tech makes big moves. They have done so well during the pandemic. So do they want to reopen? Do they really stay where they are? And beef, it's what's not for dinner. Even I can say that's crazy. I've given up, I've given up. It's Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin at the U.S. Equity Futures this morning. First up today on the podcast, Big Tech's Big Numbers, as Americans continue to work, learn, and watch at home. Google parent Alphabet and Microsoft reported quarterly earnings Tuesday evening, and both companies are making lots of money. Alphabet's revenue up 34% from the same period a year ago, thanks to online advertising, their cloud business, and YouTube. Everybody's watching YouTube. A recent Pew report said that American adult use of the video platform grew from 73% in 2019 to 81 this year. Microsoft showed annualized revenue growth of 19%. It's the company's biggest quarterly increase since 2018, thanks to PC sales during the pandemic setting up your home offices. Microsoft's public cloud, Azure, grew 50%. And in the negative column, gross margin for all Microsoft cloud products. That's Azure, yes, but also commercial subscriptions to the Office 365 bundle, some parts of LinkedIn, narrowed from 71% all the way down to 70%. That seems small, just 1%. But the number is important to investors who want to see that Microsoft can continue to make this part of their business more profitable. Just the Microsoft and Google numbers, are, or Alphabet numbers, I mean, they're just staggering. This is a revenue at, at Alphabet. And, and for both companies, the point is made that they have done so well during the pandemic that they're delivering these unbelievable rights. So, so do, we want, do they want to reopen? Do they, do, do they really stay where they are because they benefit? I think that's the, really, that's the ultimate question. If they've done so well during the pandemic, why should we assume that that there's not a slight slowdown in the momentum oh, once we so, reopen. So Joe, I have, well, so I think actually for Microsoft, it actually even gets better when so we get into some kind of real life hybrid life because there's right. even more product to sell. So win-win. I don't even think we're finished selling the products yet. Meaning right. it's, it, there's a, there was a pull forward 
And now there's going to be all sorts of new stuff that they're going to have to sell people. And if so everybody's weird, stuck it? inside their house for the rest of their life, I, there's not enough new product to sell. Anyway, one man's opinion. Well, like you said, no, it's better if you have a hybrid because you need the products for right. work and you need the products right. for work from home. But that's the question. Two, it, it, two of everything. It's not, I don't think that it's, you, you just assume that because if they've done so well, well, what happens when it ends? And I, But that is the point that they, they got up to here. They don't go back down to here. Right. They, they stay here and then go up from there, I, I guess. So they... The stay-at-home stocks. It's possible there could be a pullback. I mean, you have to think. You have, well, in valuation, you, well, maybe, I mean, but just in the business. Maybe of on the, the valuation company. side. It's also, you could even maybe argue that even just straight shot. Well, they, look, they're offering decent guidance, too. So I, I, I don't, I don't want uh, I don't, I don't to question it. But at some point, you know, maybe, maybe it's 12 months from now. Maybe it's longer. You, you would think that, that some corporations that are in the enterprise space are going to say, okay, Hang on, maybe we don't have to build out all the stuff the way we, you know, because these are almost for certain companies. Not that it's a capital cost, because it's not really capital cost, because a lot of these are subscription things. But there, there are major changes in how people are doing business. But why don't we dig into the story just for for a moment, because we have two of these, uh, two of what really are the biggest stock movers, Alphabet and uh, Microsoft, on the move. Both uh, reported earnings after the bell yesterday, and Alphabet's big beat came amid a rise in online ad sales. Microsoft saw its biggest revenue growth since 2018 and joining us to talk about both of those stocks and try to help us figure all of this out is Stephanie Link, chief strategist at Hightower and of course a CNBC contributor. Steph, you can answer the question that, that, that Joe just asked. Uh, do you think these companies are better off if everybody's stuck at home? Good morning. Uh, wow, they're, they're just two powerhouses, right? I mean, but Alphabet, I mean, I'm, I'm just blown away with the, the, those numbers because the stock was up 31% into the print just look at these numbers. Search up 30%, an 8% beat. YouTube up 50, cloud up 45, free cash flow 50% beat. I'm, I mean, and the buyback is huge. So, I mean, this company is just doing so well. I think the stock is doing better in the after hours, not only because the numbers were so good, but because the stock really has lagged over the last couple of years. And at the right. same time as it's lagged, they've increased their partners by five times. They've increased their sales force by three times. The numbers are just crazy. Um, Microsoft is more expensive. Microsoft saw a two percentage point decline in their cloud business, but still really impressive. Azure at 46%. Right. So it's, it's, these, are, these are great companies, but you know, on, on the uh, on margin, I think the alphabet numbers were much better. Microsoft, high expectations, good numbers, but I get why it's selling off. Steph, let's, I want to go back to alphabet for a second because I, I've yeah. always thought that YouTube, and I think it was proven this past quarter, that YouTube is a juggernaut in a way that's so often underestimated in terms of what it means, not just to the industry, but just pure revenue. And you look at the revenue number on YouTube alone, and you can make the argument that this, that this, from a revenue perspective, looks like looks like Netflix, or it's on its way to being Netflix. And the question is, should that be? Is that just embedded in the price? Should the should the stock be re-rated? Is there something else going on? Maybe you don't like the ad business relative to the subscription business. I don't know, but I look at that and I, I that blew me away. Yeah, no, I mean, across the board, and you're spot on in terms of YouTube and focusing on that, too, because obviously those are the trends, and they are benefiting from stay-at-home, work-from-home, and all that stuff. But 
these are the trends, Andrew, right? This is what's happening. We are in a, a massive change, uh, a secular change. And so they are benefiting. They are executing. Digital advertising was so depressed last year. It's now recovering. So right. this only gets better, in my opinion. Um, and then and then let's not even let's let's throw in on, on the search side. Let's just throw in travel that hasn't even, even really kicked back in. Right. So you've got a lot of of um, ways to win with this name. You've got stay at home YouTube, but you've got return to work and return to life and reopen with search. And then cloud is absolutely on fire. So Again, I mean, it's not cheap. It's 30 times earnings. Right. But when you have these kind of growth numbers and the fact okay, that the last two years the stock has lagged, I think, right. I, think it, I think it continues to work. Steph, it's great to see you. Appreciate it. Thanks. Good to see you. President Biden uh, set to address a joint session of Congress tonight, and his big task uh, will be to build public support for his economic proposals. Ilan Mui joins us now with more. Good morning, Ilan. Good morning, Joe. President Biden will officially unveil the American Families Plan tonight. It's a $1.8 trillion package of spending and tax cuts aimed at working families and paid for by the wealthy. The president will frame this as a historic investment in the human capital of the country, including $200 billion for universal preschool, $109 billion for two years of free community college, and $225 billion for a national paid family leave program. It also makes the larger earned income and dependent care tax credits permanent and extends the bigger child tax credit through 2025. Now, to offset the cost of these programs, the White House wants to close loopholes in the tax code, ramp up enforcement, and raise taxes on the rich. That includes restoring the top individual income rate to 39.6 percent, taxing capital gains as ordinary income for households making over a million dollars, ending stepped-up basis for gains over a million dollars as well. Now, those changes would all be permanent increases. And I asked the White House when they would take effect the administration said it would work with Congress to make sure that wealthy households don't game the system by shifting the date of their transactions. So, guys, if I'm reading between the lines here, it sounds like making these tax changes retroactive is not off the table. Back over to you. That sounds that sounds exactly like what they are hinting at, Elon. I, I guess the biggest question that comes from this is, can they get all of the Democrats on board? They don't need help from the Republicans if they can keep their party in line. But we've heard from plenty of of, of senators and from uh, representatives who, who have some qualms about this. What do you think? Yeah, so I think that right now Democrats are trying to uh, keep the focus on what they would do with the money and reach consensus around what the spending portion will be. They are loath to get sort of dragged into this debate over tax heights at this point in the game. Uh, they need to figure out exactly what they're going to do before they figure out how they're going to raise the revenue to do it, because one obviously influences the other. So right now, I think you're going to hear a lot of focus around the universal preschool, the paid family leave, you know, the food, uh, food nutrition support some of those items and uh, trying to build a consensus there. And then after that, we might hear what exactly might uh, might might happen in terms of tax increases, because that is going to be a much tougher political battle. Elon, thank you. Good to see you. Popular cooking site uh, website Epicurious is uh, a beef with the beef industry. The editors say they won't publish new beef recipes and revealed uh, they've been phasing them out uh, for over a year. In a new article, uh, Site Runners says the shift is about sustainability and not giving airtime to one of the world, world's worst climate offenders. 
Existing beef recipes will remain on the site. So that's big of them. Uh, Andrew. Okay, even I can say that's crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Why even I? Why even well, because I? Because I've given up, Andrew. I've given up. You see, I just, I've given up. I've given up. You're going to have to take the mantle. You're going to have to it take was, the it mantle. It was my way of Life's acknowledging that, that, right. <laughs> Next on Squawk Pod, Senator Elizabeth Warren on taxing the wealthy. Everyone who built a successful business here in America did it using a workforce that all of us paid to educate. Did it getting their goods to market on roads and bridges that all of us helped to pay to build. All we're saying is that when you make it big, and I mean really big, I mean the top one-tenth of one percent, pitch in a little more. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM a leading global asset manager. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash methane. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. With lawmakers arguing over President Biden's multi-trillion dollar infrastructure proposal, Washington is consumed with talk of taxes and who should pay more of them. Yesterday, a new Senate Finance Subcommittee, chaired by Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, held its very first hearing, the title, Creating Opportunity Through a Fairer Tax System. This hearing will come to order. Good afternoon. Welcome to this, this year's first hearing of the Finance Committee Subcommittee on Fiscal Responsibility and Economic Growth. Senator Warren started the hearing taking aim at investor and frequent CNBC guest Leon Cooperman. I invited one of the largest critics um, and loudest critics, billionaire Leon Cooperman, here today to discuss these proposals with the members of the committee and the American public. After all, that's how democracy is supposed to work. Citizens and stakeholders discuss ideas, and then our elected representatives vote. In a formal response to that invitation from the senator last week, Cooperman explained that he was declining because his views on a wealth tax for the richest Americans are well known. Here he is on Squawk Box a year and a half ago. I have to agree upon what the maximum tax rate should be on wealthy people. I believe in the progressive income tax structure. I believe rich people should pay more. Okay, I have no problem with that. This wealth tax is baloney. He wrote her an open letter in late 2019 that was covered extensively on our show and others. And for Cooperman, who grew up in the Bronx and started on Wall Street in the late 1960s, it got very personal. People can not only see the emotion on your face, but hear it in your voice when you talk about this, Lee. Why? I care. That's it. 
His letter, by the way, was a response to a tweet from the senator where she used Cooperman's opposition to a wealth tax as an example, asking him to pitch in a bit more. He became a sort of bit in her presidential campaign, which joked about collecting billionaire tears and released this ad. It is time for a wealth tax in America. I've heard that there are some billionaires who don't support this plan. The vilification of billionaires makes no sense to me. It's bull. Leon Cooperman said he chose not to participate in yesterday's hearing because he found this invitation issued through the media disingenuous. Senator Elizabeth Warren joined Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin before her hearing on a fairer tax system. Here's Andrew with more. Senator, thank you uh, for joining us this morning. We should mention uh, this is uh, the same hearing that I know you had uh, invited uh, Lee Cooperman uh, to, to, and there's been a bit of a, a back and forth about that. I want to get into that in just a moment. But, but more broadly, when you talk about a fair tax system, what are you hoping to achieve in this instance? Look, we need the revenues to be able to make investments in America going forward, in infrastructure, in child care, in the things that help us build a future. So how can we do that? Well, Let's start with the fact that the 99% in America pay about 7.2% of their total wealth in taxes every year. But that top one-tenth of 1%, they're paying about 3.2%. We put a 2%, a two-cent wealth tax, three cents for people over a billion, and they're still paying less than the 99%. But that's part one, and we could raise about $3 trillion from that. Part two, those giant corporations that report more than $100 million in book profits, corporations like Amazon and Nike and FedEx that pay zero or little in taxes, a 7% across the board tax on their book profits, something, by the way, an approach that President Biden is using. We could raise, from the way I do it, about one4 trillion dollars. And the third is fair tax enforcement, not just sending out letters to people who are making minimum wage, but actually hiring enough people at the IRS that we concentrate on the folks who are cheating at the top. The IRS commissioner says that we have a tax gap right now of about a trillion dollars a year. Even if we only got a fraction of that, we could get about $1.8 trillion over 10. Right. Altogether, it's about $6 trillion that we could get just from those three changes in our tax laws. Right. That would more than pay for the infrastructure and have a couple of trillion left over. Senator, do you think there's a framing issue around, around this? And the reason I ask is, depending on how you look at it, you could also say that a majority of the tax revenue that comes in more broadly, and we could talk about the percentages as you just did, but comes in uh, from the 1%. But the reason I ask this is, there are clearly lots of viewers of, of this network and others uh, who've made an extraordinary amount of money who feel oftentimes that they're being attacked and oftentimes being attacked by you, um, as opposed to a, a, a sort of view of, look, you've had an enormous amount of success, um, You've worked very hard, hopefully, for it. Uh, some of it may have been luck along the way, but you did it in America. And what we're trying to do is figure out a way to contribute to, to, to the country and, and, and make it work. And, and oftentimes, I hear from people on the other side of it uh, who, who, who feel that they're being 
attacked. Whether, whether that's fair or not, I'm curious how you just think about the framing piece of it. Well, I think of it as you built a successful business. Good for you. We want to celebrate your success. But here's what I know for sure. Everyone who built a successful business here in America did it using a workforce that all of us paid to educate. Did it getting their goods to market on roads and bridges that all of us helped to pay to build. Did it protected by police and firefighters that all of us right. helped pay their salaries. And all we're saying is that when you make it big, and I mean really big, I mean the top one-tenth of one percent, pitch in a little more right. so everybody else gets a chance to make it in this country. That's all this Sen is Sen about. Senator, what do you make of uh, uh, the SALT deduction and uh, whether it should come back? And also, what seems to be like lots of, uh, of people of means with money uh, at some of the levels that we're talking about, leaving states uh, that have been hit by, hit by SALT. Are, are, you, so, are you for uh, bringing it back or not? Because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a complicated one insofar as it does help the wealthiest, but it's also hurting a lot of the states that depended on that wealth. Look, my view, I come from a state like Massachusetts that says we're going to collect taxes from the people who live here so that we can make those investments in our people, so we can invest in education, so we can invest in health care. And I believe that we ought to get a federal income tax deduction for that. But, but let's be clear on this. When you talk about people leaving states, this is part of the reason that we need a federal wealth tax in America. So that it doesn't make any difference whether you live in Massachusetts or you live in Montana or you live in Mississippi, you have to pay the wealth tax. Um, that way it's there for all of us. And that way we can make those investments collectively where they are needed the most. We can educate our children, we can build our infrastructure. Senator. If Thanks for being with us today. Just a quick question for you. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said recently that uh, the Biden administration has exceeded her expectations in terms of how progressive it's been. The Biden administration and President Biden has definitely exceeded expectations that progressives had. Uh, you know, I'll be frank, I think a lot of us expected a much more conservative administration. Do you feel the same? Look, the time has changed. Uh, the year 2020 is a year in which we had a pandemic, a racial reckoning, and then right at the beginning of 2021, an armed insurrection. President Biden, or then candidate Biden, ran to meet the moment. He ran on a progressive agenda. He talked about things like build back better and saying that the rich have to pay a fair share on their taxes. And now he is meeting that moment. He was out there with a big rescue package that was exactly what America needed. Now he's coming forward with a big infrastructure package that is exactly what America needs. So I see the president as, as meeting what America needs now. He is truly serving this country. Uh, Senator, it's good to see you, uh, as always. We had uh, uh, Bob Johnson on specifically, I don't know if you're watching, but I specifically asked him uh, for a question that we could post. He's another, he's another billionaire. Uh, and it, this is about corporate taxes and whether there's some unintended consequences that, that could come from it that, that we don't want. Here's what he said. 
if they raise the capital gains to some 40 plus percent, it's going to destroy minority private equity funds because first time funds are usually minorities and they have a tough time raising capital. And if the returns start to drop, the big investors in funds, the pension funds, the corporations, the private foundations, they're going to start consolidating their money in some of the larger funds. Senator, yeah. I also I, I also asked uh-huh. him about that, that was capital gains, but we talked about corporate taxes uh, as well. We said it flows through to consumers and hurts uh, black-owned businesses as well. But just as a general question on on corporations and and what we want to try to help them do, considering that 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 their employees and uh, pay the taxes that fund all the federal workers and all the federal programs that it all is sort of generated from that engine, from the private sector engine, the corporate engine. We want corporations to, to be competitive around the world. And any, if they make a lot of profits, they innovate or they cut prices uh, uh, abroad and, and, and do better than their competitors in, in foreign countries. They do all these, these things that sort of uh, help workers, help shareholders, uh, and really help the U.S. economy. It always seems like Democrats pick on big corporations as if they're a part of the problem a- instead of part of a part of the solution. Wouldn't you want to make them as competitive as possible globally, so that we Look, we can do really well and hire more people and 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 even stocks go up? I believe in competitive markets, and I really want to see black-owned and brown-owned small businesses get a chance to get in there and compete. But what's happening right now in America is that these small businesses, they pay their taxes at the full rate. They got to pay the whole thing. But these giant businesses, you look at businesses like FedEx and Nike, um, businesses like Amazon, and they pay zero. Right now, there's a thumb on the scale in the tax part of this, and that is a thumb to help the giants. And at whose cost does that come? It comes at the cost of small businesses that have a harder time competing as a fraction of their work. And they're the ones who are out there. They're innovating the new ideas. They're generating the new jobs. And yet they're having to pay a bigger fraction of their income in taxes than the Amazons of the world. How do you compete like that? And why would America want to say, oh, we want to help out Amazon, but not every small business, every startup, every business that's trying to make a competitive market work. Let's cut their taxes instead of raising the other taxes. Look, the way I see it is somebody has to pay for our infrastructure. Somebody has to pay for our our educating our children. Someone has to pay for our military to protect it. So I get it. Giant corporations say, let's shove that off to the middle class. Let's shove that off to working families. My view on this is everybody pays a fair share. Remember where we started this. Remember where we started this conversation. The 99% paid 7.2% of their total wealth in taxes last year. But the top one-tenth of 1%, the top millionaires and billionaires, 3.2% less than half as much. That's just not fair. Right. Senator, question about Amazon, which, which often gets used a, a bit as a pinata in this, in this story because uh, they have not uh, paid uh, or, the, or their federal tax numbers in certain years has been zero. Do you blame Amazon for that? Um, 
I will admit I don't. I blame Congress for that if so, insofar as if you believe that there should be an alternative minimum tax for corporations. And I've always sort of wondered, again, that there's sort of an interesting framing around this issue. Well, you know, it's not like Congress woke up one day and said, I know, let's try to help multi-billion corporations uh, pay zero in taxes. How do you think the tax code ended up like it did? It ended up like it did because companies like Amazon sent armies of lawyers and lobbyists to craft every possible loophole that they would be able to use to pay nothing in taxes. And by the way, that is why you see such a tilt in the tax system. How many small businesses do you think used foreign inversions? How many small businesses located their IP in Ireland? How many small businesses right. moved their assets overseas? And the answer is not very many. Those tax loopholes were bought and paid for by the Amazons of the right. world so they hey, could get away with paying Sen nothing. S Senator, the question I have actually relates to philanthropy. Uh, Lee Cooperman has been uh, quite philanthropic, as have so many of the billionaires that uh, we've talked about. Do you believe, but, but most of them uh, have contributed stock, uh, so a lot of that income has never been taxed. Do you believe that that uh, stock should be taxed before it's given out? And what does that do to philanthropy if that's the case? Look, let's start by asking Leon Cooperman just to pay three cents, since he's a billionaire, in a wealth tax. Make that contribution so that we can use it to rebuild our infrastructure, so that we can use it to support our military so that we can use it to educate our children. That's a good starting point for me. Okay, it's a longer debate and a longer conversation, but we appreciate uh, having you, Senator. Squawk Pod, we'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. A reminder here that Squawk Pod is up for a Webby Award, and we're asking you to be a part of the public component voting for the People's Voice Award. We're nominated in a special podcast category on diversity and inclusion for our coverage of the racial justice protests last summer. This was an emotional wave of headlines, especially for the corporate leaders we spoke to. Here's Merck Chief Executive Ken Frazier in the wake of the biggest civil rights protests in decades and how CEOs like him responded. In good times when the community is quiet, we can ignore it. We can go about doing what we believe is in our economic self-interest. But in the long run, what's in our enlightened economic self-interest is that for all Americans, to feel like they're participants in our economy. So how to help? go to cnbc.com slash vote squawk pod. Again, that is cnbc.com slash vote squawk pod to link right to our category. Thank you for your support. And that is Squawk Pod for today. On our rundown tomorrow, President Biden's first address to a joint session of Congress will break down the plans offered and the reaction. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Subscribe 
to this podcast, Squawk Pod, wherever you listen, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.